Oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your kindness, your mercy, your love. We're thankful that you are a mighty God. You are almighty. And so we bow before you, the one who is all-powerful and all-good, and we pray now that you would open our eyes so we might behold wonderful things in your beautiful word. And we pray that what we know not, that you'd please teach us, and that what we have not, please give us, and what we are not, please make us, all for the glory and praise of your dearly beloved Son, who lives with you and who reigns with you, together with the Holy Spirit, one God forever blessed and forever praised. Amen. Amen. Power gets a bad name these days. Many are fundamentally suspicious of anyone in a position of power or authority. So whole worldviews are built upon power structure dynamics. Power is often abused. Power often corrupts. Those in power will often say anything or do anything to stay in power. Leaders go on power trips. Power can be very intoxicating. And so people often these days look at power and they see it as inherently a bad thing. And especially for someone to have absolute power, that is just the recipe for bad news. But this morning, as we continue our study of the incommunicable attributes of God, that is, the attributes that God does not and cannot share or communicate with His creatures, we're going to find something beautiful, something amazing. And that's this, that the infinite power of God is the greatest news in the world for sinners like us. Please open your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at Paul's prayer in verses 14 to 21. And as we study the omnipotence of God, the God of infinite power, I hope that you will be encouraged, that you will be edified, that you will be strengthened by this God who has all power in himself. In the second prayer of Ephesians, Paul prays this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every name in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As we look at this prayer this morning and begin to meditate together on God's power, 
I wonder, as we read that prayer, if you noticed how often the apostle refers to God's power. Verse 16, we're told that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. Verse 18, he prays that you may have strength or power to comprehend with all the saints the infinite love of Christ. Verse 20, now him who is able, that word able, another way to render it, now to him who has the power to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. This is a prayer that's all about power. It's all about God's power. In fact, the entire letter of Ephesians that was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison teaches us many wonderful aspects of God's infinite, omnipotent power. And my aim this morning is basically to teach you something of the omnipotence of God from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I will quote some verses outside of Ephesians to try to give you the whole counsel of God, but I would love to be able to show you this morning several aspects of God's omnipotence, His infinite, uh, glorious power. And I pray that as we look at this, you will see why this is such good news for those of us who are in Christ. My aim is to teach you about God's omnipotence from Ephesians and the application from that, from that sight of God's omnipotence is that you will, in response to seeing who God is, that you will pray to Him. A sight of God's power ought to set God's people to praying. I have five adjectives and one application And each one of these is pretty quick. Number one, we're going to see that God's power is infinite. Number two, that God's power is incomprehensible. That God's power is inexhaustible. That God's power, number four, is invincible. And that God's power, number five, is impeccable. Infinite, incomprehensible, inexhaustible, invincible, impeccable. And the application is pray boldly to your omnipotent God. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. There's a lot more that we could say, but this is what I want to, 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 to think about this morning. One of my favorite theologians, Herman Bovink, said this, every attribute of God is precious to believers. They cannot do without any of them. They desire no other God than the only true God who's revealed himself in Christ. And they glory in all his perfections in truth. And that's my prayer this morning. I pray this morning that you will see that God's omnipotence is absolutely precious and that you will love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God's omnipotence is not a problem to be solved. It is a mystery to be adored. So, number one, God's power is infinite. Look again at verse 20. 
Paul begins this concluding doxology of this wonderful prayer. If you want a sermon about this prayer, look up Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 on our website. There's a sermon that goes through each uh, line of this prayer. But look at the doxology in verse 20. Paul begins with the phrase, now him who is able. And so we should ask the question, what is God able to do? What does he have the power to do? Uh, The first week of this sermon series, we looked at the infinity of God. We talked about how God's infinity is kind of the meta attribute because it applies to every one of the the attributes of God. So for example, God is infinite in regards to space, so he's omnipresent. God is infinite in regards to knowledge, so he is omniscient. God is infinite in regards to time, so he is eternal. Well, this morning, God is infinite in regards to his ability, his power, therefore he is omnipotent. Omnipotent is a long word that just has two parts, omni and potent. It just means all-powerful. God has all power in himself. His power is without limit. He's the God of infinite power. He has unlimited, unbounded, unending, everlasting power. Even in the Old and New Testaments, when God is referred to by believers, they draw together this idea that he has all power. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself as El Shaddai, which we render in our Bibles as God Almighty. In the New Testament, when Jesus was standing for the, before the high priest in Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 14, Jesus responds to the answer of a question given to him by the high priest, and Jesus says, You will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power. And he uses that word power as a proper name to refer to God himself. God's power, brothers and sisters, is infinite. No one is like you. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. Jeremiah 10.6. I want you to see this in Ephesians. I want you to see that Paul himself teaches that God's power is infinite. So if you have your Bibles, flip back to Ephesians chapter 1, the first prayer that Paul gives in Ephesians. Look at what he says in verse 19. I'm going to start reading in verse 16 to give you the context. Listen to what he says about God's power. I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of our hearts opened or enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. 
So just notice, notice a few things. Number one, notice that God's power is so great, you cannot begin to measure it or comprehend it apart from God's Spirit enlightening your eyes. You need to have the Spirit of God enlighten the eyes of your heart before you can even begin to grasp God's power. But then secondly, notice what Paul says about God's power. He says, verse 19, that God's power is immeasurably great. It's surpassingly great. It's incomparably great. It's beyond all comparison, brothers and sisters, because it's infinite. It has no, met, has no limit. Third, notice that God's infinite power, verse 20, is God's resurrection power. If you want an example of how strong God is, we serve the God who raises the dead. Verse 20, His great might is the same power that was the power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him, enthroned Him at God's right hand. So, our God raises the dead because God's power is infinite. That's the first thing. God's power is infinite. Number two, God's power is incomprehensible. God's power is not only infinite, it's incomprehensible. If I asked you, how strong are you? How strong are you? You might give a lot of different answers to that question. You might tell me, well, this is how much I can bench press. This is how many push-ups I can do. I can do, I can do this many pull-ups, or I, I can run this far on a track or on a trail. But at the end of the day, no matter what you say, no matter what metric you use to measure your strength, at the end of the day, even the world's strongest human being, that person's strength can be quantified and fully comprehended. But God Almighty isn't like us. Turn back to Ephesians 3.20. Now to Him, notice, who is able to do far more abundantly, some Bibles say far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, all that we ask or think or imagine. Just think about the superlatives there. Just look at that one more, one more time. God is able to do far more. He's able to do far abundantly more. He's able to do far more abundantly beyond all. He's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Paul is piling on the superlatives because he wants you to know that God's power is incomprehensible. You can't even think or imagine how powerful he is. It, however powerful you think God is, if you think he's is, is just incredibly strong, he's even stronger than you can even think about or imagine. As a family, we've been watching uh, a fascinating nature documentary called Tiny World. And it's about the wonderful tiny creatures like antelope squirrels and dwarf cuttlefish and wood frogs. And we've learned about ants that are smaller than a grain of sand, uh, a thousand of which an entire colony can live inside an acorn. And, and you cannot see this show without marveling at God's creative power on display in the creatures 
that He has made. And what we have been telling our, telling our kids is that God's world reflects God's power. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul says over in Romans 1. Remember Romans 1, verse 20? His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly been perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. But brothers and sisters, listen to me. The power of God that is displayed in a tiny little squirrel or an ant or a supernova, or a volcano, or a tornado, or plate tectonics. None of these, none of these are remotely adequate to completely comprehend God's incomprehensible power. Listen to this passage from Job. Listen to this. After detailing all these mighty acts of God in creation, from calming the sea to causing thunderclouds to form, Job declares, Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how a small whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? Job 26, 14. God's power is infinite. God's power is incomprehensible. Number three, God's power is inexhaustible. Your power and my power diminishes. I imagine all of you slept last night. Even if you tossed and turned, you went to sleep. That's because we get exhausted. We get tired. We get sleepy. We have to sleep. Some of you look like you're taking a nap right now. Now, we have to rest after we work because our power is finite. Our power is limited. We have a certain amount of energy, and then we use that energy, and we need to rest. If the strongest person on our planet was permanently deprived of sleep, they would die because our power is exhaustible. At the end of the day, Psalm 103, 14, we are only dust. We're weak. Uh, Jesus said, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. But God isn't like us. God isn't like us. His power is inexhaustible. His power is undiminished from everlasting to everlasting. God doesn't grow tired. God doesn't grow old. God doesn't take timeouts. God never needs to be taken out of the game. God's never been subbed. He who keeps Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. God has all power. He has inexhaustible might in himself, and therefore he's never, ever lessened, even in the slightest. And this is such good news to weak, frail, tired children of God. Your weakness is, is no match for God's inexhaustible power. He is able to strengthen us in our times of weakness. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Notice how Isaiah connects God's omnipotence to our weakness, and he says it's good news. Listen to what Isaiah says. 
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no strength, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men, young men shall fall down exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength and shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Friend, are you tired this morning? Are you feeling weary? Do you need to be renewed? Do you, do, you, do you feel like you can barely take one more step? Weary saints, call upon your inexhaustible God. He can strengthen you. He can strengthen you according to Colossians 1, 11, with all power, according to the might of His glory, for all endurance and patience with joy. So call upon your inexhaustible God and adore Him. His infinite power is not against you in Christ. It's for you. If you are in Christ this morning, all of His attributes are on your side. I'm sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ. This morning, think about this. If you're looking ahead at the the future and you're, you're wondering, if you can continue in the faith until you see the Lord Jesus, be encouraged this morning. What is guarding you in the Christian life? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercies, caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. So brothers and sisters, be encouraged this morning that you can boast, you can boast in the power of your Redeemer. That when you make it to glory, You will cast your crown before the feet of the Redeemer and you will not boast in your strength, but you will boast in the inexhaustible, saving, keeping power of God Almighty who saved you and who sustained you and who guarded you every single step of the way. Charles Spurgeon says, The one whom God upholds, devils cannot throw down. Rough may be our road, but omnipotence is holding us up. God's power is infinite. It's incomprehensible. It's inexhaustible. And number four, God's power is invincible. God's power is invincible. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's this. Our plans aren't always God's plans. Can I get an amen? Our plans aren't always God's plans. Everything about our future is always under the banner of if the Lord wills. Our plans are subject to change. But brothers and sisters, God's plans 
are invincible. God's power is invincible. Therefore, his purposes and plans are invincible. God's power cannot be thwarted. His power is unconquerable. God is undefeated. No one can resist God's will or God's purposes. Our God, Psalm 115 says, our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. So take your Bibles again and flip back to Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to what Paul says about God in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. What does he say about God's purposes and God's plans? Verse 11, Paul describes God as the one who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Do you see that? That's pretty comprehensive. What does he work according to the counsel of his will? All things. In other words, no one, nothing can stand in the way of God's plans or purposes. Isaiah 14, 27 says, The Lord of armies himself has planned it. Therefore, who can stand in its way? His hand is outstretched. Who can turn it back? The answer is no one. You remember the book of Job. You remember the story of Job. Job doesn't understand why all these things are happening to him. And so Job wants to argue his case before the Almighty. He wants to stand before God and argue his case because he thinks he's in the right. And remember, God spoke to him out of the whirlwind. And in Job 42, what does Job, after God has given this long speech of questions to Job, he's asked him, you know, where were you, Job, when I formed the foundation of the earth? Where were you when I... He asks him all these questions. And what, is Job, what, what comes out of Job's mouth? What lesson does Job learn from God speaking to him out of the whirlwind? Job 42.2, Job said at the end of the book, Now I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Brothers and sisters, this is so encouraging. This one aspect of God's power is so encouraging for our evangelism. God's power is invincible, therefore, he can save anyone to the uttermost. Is there anyone in your life? Is there anyone in your family? Is there anyone in your neighborhood? Is there anyone in your workplace that you thought that person is beyond God's power? That person's beyond saving. There's no way that person would ever become a Christian. Well, listen, you cannot save that person. But with God, all things are possible. God can save anyone by His saving power. No one is too hard for God to save. No one is beyond God's sovereign, almighty grace. Who's writing this letter to the Ephesians, brothers and sisters? The Apostle Paul, who was a terrorist, 
who was trying to round up Christians to have them killed, who stood there when Stephen was being martyred and approved of it. Someone who was an absolute opponent to Jesus, the gospel, and his church. What did God do? God's almighty grace knocked him down, broke his heart, took out his heart of stone, granted him a heart of flesh, and made Rabbi Saul into the Apostle Paul. God can save anyone. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. He summarizes how he became a minister. How did he become a minister? What, what does Paul say? Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3, 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me, notice this, by the working of his power. God's omnipotence, brothers and sisters, listen to this. God's omnipotence is never far from us even when we are far from Him. Listen to me. God's omnipotence is never far from us, even when we are far from Him. God can save anyone to the uttermost. His saving arm is long. And if you don't believe me, just think about your own testimony. What does Paul say in Ephesians 2 that was true about us? We were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked according to the course of this world. We were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's at work in the sons of disobedience. We all lived in the passions of our flesh and carried out the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive. Resurrection power. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we've been saved. And God raised us up and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I, I wonder, have you ever noticed the connection between Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2? Remember earlier when we talked about God's omnipotent, um, excuse me, God's infinite power? God's infinite power is that immeasurable power that he worked when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in the heavenly places. What power was at work in our salvation? He made it, we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ, and he raised us up and he what? Seated us with him. The same resurrection power that, that was at work through Jesus Christ and the gospel was at work in rescuing us. All things are possible with God. No one is too hard for the Lord to save. There is no sin that is too bad to be pardoned. There's, no, there's nothing that the blood of Christ cannot cleanse. There is no heart that is too wicked that cannot be made into a heart of flesh. And so, brothers and sisters, the power of Almighty God is beyond all our reach. We can't grasp it. But we can pray for that power to be at work in those around us who are lost. We cannot move 
a speck of dust on a fallen human heart. But there's no one that is beyond the reach of God's omnipotence. So I just want to give you a brief application before we look at this last point. A sight of God's omnipotent power, God's power, ought to set God's people to praying. If there's anything that we ought to see from the book of Ephesians, it's this. The way that we respond to God's power is not only praising Him, but also praying to Him. I'm not going to go there, but in Ephesians chapter 6, when Paul talks about being strong in the strength of God's might and putting on the armor of God, he spends much of that, cha- of that section in chapter 6 talking about how we wield God's power. It's through prayer, through the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and through prayer. That's how we wield God's power. So my application for you is this. Pray big prayers. Pray boldly to your omnipotent God. Prayer is the most practical and powerful thing in the universe because it moves the hand that moves the universe. Prayer is the way that we access God's omnipotent power. What are we told in Scripture? The gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. And so we should pray that God, through the gospel, saves those around us, our neighbors, our family members, our co-workers, our children. Does your prayer life reveal that you're a practical atheist? someone were to look at your prayer life, would they say, you pray about as much as an atheist? Or does your prayer life reveal that God is able to raise the dead? Thou, one of my favorite hymn writers, John Newton, thou art coming to a king, large petitions with you bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. God's power is infinite, incomprehensible, inexhaustible, invincible, and fifthly and finally, God's power is impeccable. God's power is impeccable. We don't use the word impeccable a lot. Um, What I mean by impeccable is that God's power is faultless. It's blameless. It's unblemished. It's uh, untarnished. It's spotless. God's power, that, that is, accords with His holiness. Um, what I mean is that God never, ever uses His power in a way that contradicts His other attributes. God is one. God is simple. He's not composed of parts. So it's not like he has a, 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 an omnipotent part, and that's in, you know, in distinction from its, his holiness or something like that. Um, God's power works in perfect harmony with all of his other attributes. In Scripture, Paul says uh, he establishes this idea over in uh, 2 Timothy um, chapter 2, verse 13. Paul says that God, God cannot deny 
himself. He can't deny himself. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, we're told that God's mercy, love, grace, and power all work in harmony to save sinners. So Stephen Charnock, uh, I couldn't go through a sermon without quoting from at least one Puritan. So here's Stephen Charnock uh, writing about God's power. He says this, quote, The power of God is that ability and strength whereby God can bring to pass whatsoever he pleases, whatsoever his wisdom, his infinite wisdom can direct, and whatsoever his infinite purity of his will can resolve. Do you see that? So he's able to do whatever his ability and strength is, uh, can do, but it also aligns with his wisdom and his, and his purity, his holiness. That's what he's saying. God always acts in a way that's consistent with his manifold perfections. And brothers and sisters, this is really good news. Imagine, just, just take, have a thought experiment for a minute. Imagine there was a being who was omnipotent, but who was also unholy. That would be the worst news in the universe. Imagine a being that had all power who was corrupted. But see, God isn't like that. Because God's power is impeccable, this is amazing. There's actually things that God cannot do. And even the things that God cannot do are good news. God cannot lie. Titus 1-2, Hebrews 6-18. You can trust God to always speak the truth. You can always believe His Word because He cannot lie. He never lies. He cannot lie. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. Number two, God cannot sin. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all, not even a little bit. God can't sin. He can't even be tempted to sin. James Chapter 1, verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God never misuses or abuses his power. On the last day, every single accusation of divine misuse of power will be seen clearly as brightly as the noonday sun in light of his wise and good purposes and plans. And on that day, any accusation that God has misused his power will fall to the ground. God cannot act in a way that ever compromises his holiness, justice, goodness, or truth. So let's close by just reflecting on how God's power is displayed perfectly in Jesus Christ, especially on the cross. Where do we see the impeccability of God's power on display in the gospel? Well, there's nowhere that this is seen more clearly than on the cross. At the cross of Jesus, God's love, God's wrath, God's justice, God's mercy, and God's power are all on display. 
God punishes sin by laying our sins upon Christ, the righteous one, the eternal son of God, the God of infinite power, became flesh. He was crucified in weakness on the cross to atone for the sins of his people. And on the cross, Jesus displays both his divine power and his human weakness. The cross of Christ, brothers and sisters, the cross of Christ is the pulpit from which God preaches all of his attributes to the whole world. Atop the hill called Calvary, steadfast love and faithfulness meet, and righteousness and peace kiss each other. When we look at the cross of Christ, we see that the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. In creation, God gave us ourselves. In redemption, God gave us Himself. Outside of Christ, outside of Christ, if you're not trusting in Christ, listen to me, outside of Christ, God's infinite, incomprehensible, inexhaustible, invincible, impeccable power is against you. This God is against you. You are His enemy. But for those who've turned from their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ, who've received Jesus Christ, who've laid down the arms of rebellion and fled into the open arms of Christ by faith alone, God's power is on your side forever and he is working all things together for your good and for his glory the risen and exalted christ has all power and all authority he is ruling and reigning over all things because he's the god of infinite power he alone is able to save you to the uttermost he his blood alone speaks louder than all of your sins his omnipotent power is not a problem to be solved, but it is a mystery to be adored. The power of God is the shoulder on which Jesus Christ carries His sheep home, rejoicing all the way that He goes. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you so much that you have used your power to open our eyes, to bring the gospel to our ears, to give us a new heart, to transform our wills, to grant to us faith and repentance, to give us an inheritance, to make us your children, to give us your spirit, the spirit of power to break the power of canceled sin, to set us free from our bondage to sin, Satan, and death, to give us a hope and a future. Lord, you have done all of these things freely because you are good. Oh God, we pray that we would marvel at your mercy. Help us to praise you 
the God of infinite power, as long as you lend us breath, and throughout the endless ages of eternity, help us to magnify the Lamb who was slain, the Mighty One who became weak, so that we, through His blood and sacrifice, might know Him and love Him forever. We ask this for Jesus, our risen Lord and King. In His name, amen.